Hey, it's Alexis Asadi, and welcome to episode 10 of Income Investing, a show that explores different investments that produce income and or dividends. Thanks for tuning in again. If you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe to Income Investing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. If you're feeling especially gratuitous, I'd also be honored if you could help us spread the word by giving us a good rating. Today, we'll begin a new segment of the show, Mortgage Investments. People who learn about these assets for the first time usually discover two things. First, they didn't actually know what a mortgage was. It's not just a thing you get from a bank when you want to borrow money to buy a house. In fact, it's the opposite. And second, they had no idea that they could invest in mortgages. But before we go there, Let's get to a question from one of our fellow listeners, Kara. She wanted to know how much money you need to have in order to invest in real estate investment trusts, or REITs. If you're joining us for the first time, we've spent the last few weeks talking about those investments, so it's definitely not out of the blue. Kara, this is a great question, and I should have addressed it earlier. If you're buying shares of a publicly traded REIT, you can usually do so for the price of a single share. For example, if the company is trading for $24, you'd be able to buy in for $24 plus the brokerage fee. I don't know if you'd want to invest that little, however, because even a $5 brokerage fee would eat into your returns. A lot of people prefer to wait until they've saved up a few hundred dollars before investing. But to answer your question, that should be the minimum amount for a public REIT. Private REITs, ones that don't trade on the stock market, are different. They usually set a minimum price internally. The lowest I've seen for private companies is $1,000, but they can generally set whatever minimum they want, so it can obviously vary. If you want to submit a question for this podcast, I encourage you to do so. Just go to my website, alexisasadi.net slash podcast. Alright, so let's jump right into mortgage investments. This episode will focus on some of the foundational concepts that are important for investors to know. It'll help us understand investments that we'll discuss later on, like mortgage funds, mortgage REITs, mortgage investment corporations, mortgage-backed securities, collateralized debt obligations, credit funds, income funds, syndicated mortgages, and even financing a mortgage by yourself. These can all be really lucrative assets. But you can also lose a lot of money if you don't understand them, just like any other investment. So today we'll zone in on the basics just to make sure that we're all up to speed. All of this will also be useful for any real estate investments that you might make. It goes without saying that mortgages are part and parcel of buying properties. Just in 2017 in the U.S., there were almost $10 trillion worth of mortgages. This is a huge, huge business, and it's not just banks who can participate in it. So, let's start with the obvious. What is a mortgage? 
Contrary to popular belief, a mortgage is not a loan. Instead, it's a legal instrument that is used to secure a debt with real estate. They're two different things. So basically, a loan is a loan. But a mortgage attaches the loan to a property in order to give the lender collateral until it's repaid. If the property that's been mortgaged is sold, all of the proceeds from the sale are first used to pay back the lender. The property owner can only keep the remaining balance. For example, let's say I want to borrow $20,000 from you. I need it because I want to buy inventory for my business. But you're a little bit skeptical and you want some sort of collateral just in case I don't repay you. To help ensure that I pay you back, I agree to give you a mortgage on my house. After we sign a contract and the mortgage is granted, my debt to you is now registered on the property. If I want to sell my house, the proceeds will first be used to repay the debt. I can only keep what's left over. It's impossible for me to sell my house and run away with your money. The mortgage is usually registered with the government, and it can't be removed without your consent. Most of the time, it's done by a lawyer or a legal representative. If I refuse to pay you back while I still have my home, you can take me to court and force me to sell the house. Again, the proceeds would first be used to repay you. That's the power of a mortgage. The language we use to talk about mortgages in daily life is therefore backwards. When people say they got a mortgage from a bank, it's actually the bank that got a mortgage from them. The bank gives you a loan. You give a mortgage to the bank as collateral for the loan. It might seem like semantics, but it's important for investors to know the difference. Mortgages are generally considered one of, if not the best way to ensure that a debt gets repaid. You can technically secure a loan with anything. For example, I could have given you my laptop and iPhone as collateral for the loan. You could keep them in your closet until I pay you back. But there are a few problems with those items. First, they aren't worth $20,000. Second, they'll probably go down in value over time. Third, you might have a hard time selling them. And fourth, you could lose them. They don't really do much by way of giving security. Real estate, on the other hand, has inherent advantages. First, it often holds its value and even appreciates. Second, you can't misplace a house. Even if it burned down or was swept away in a flood, there's probably coverage from insurance. And third, there are clear laws that govern how properties, mortgages, and debts interact. It's pretty obvious what would happen if I tried to run away with your money. Now, you'll notice that I've been using the terms loan and debt, but they're not actually interchangeable. Again, it's important to understand the nuances here. A loan is something, usually money, that you've given that needs to be repaid by the person who borrowed it. However, a debt is a broader term that describes something that's owed. For instance, if I hired someone to walk my dog, but I then refused to pay her, I would be in debt to her. She didn't give me a loan that I needed to repay. Rather, she performed a service that I had to pay for. The dog walker could sue me if I didn't pay her invoice and she could get a court order from a judge. If I still didn't pay, 
she could go back to court and register the debt against my house. That would be considered a mortgage, although it would probably be referred to as a lien, spelt L-I-E-N, charge, caveat, or security interest. If I ever sold my house, the proceeds would first be used to repay the dog walker. Until then, my credit would probably be ruined. There's another concept that goes hand-in-hand with mortgages that we should discuss, called priority. What happens if there are several debts that are registered on a single piece of real estate? Let's go back to our earlier example. We'll assume that I own a house, which has a mortgage on it because I borrowed money from a bank in order to buy it. Then, I borrowed $20,000 from you and gave you a mortgage. And lastly, the dog walker has a lien on my property. Let's say her invoice was $50, so that's the value of the lien. If you searched my house with the Land Titles Authority, you would see that there are three charges on my home. So what would happen if I wanted to sell it? Who would get the money from the sale first? Registered debts are paid in chronological order. After my house is sold, the bank would get paid first. Then you'd be repaid. And finally, the dog walker would have her $50 invoice paid. Only after those debts are cleared could I earn the proceeds from the sale. However, there is one entity that is able to skip the line and jump right into first position. It wouldn't matter if there were 15 mortgages on my house. This omnipresent body could surpass all other creditors. It's known as the government. If I owed taxes to the government, I would be in debt to it. It could therefore place a lien on my home, which would often gain first position. As such, if I sold my home, the government would get paid first, the bank would get paid second, you would be repaid third, and the dog walker would be fourth. I would not get anything from the sale of my house until all four of you are paid back. This gives rise to other discussions that we'll have in later episodes, like investing in tax lien certificates. In the US, you can actually buy the government's position and earn 15, 20, even 30% a year from it. But that's a topic for another day. As a rule of thumb, the higher up on the mortgage ladder you are, the less risk there is. First mortgages are safest, second mortgages are next, and the list goes on. I've only ever seen as far as third mortgages, but the amount of registered debts on a property could theoretically be endless. Keep in mind that a mortgage does not guarantee that a debt will be repaid. The property has to be worth enough too. Securing a $1 million loan against a $150,000 house would only give the lender $150,000 worth of protection. The remaining $850,000 would be exposed. This leads us to a third concept, the loan-to-value ratio, or LTV. Let's go back to our government bank dog walker example. We'll assume that the value of my house is $400,000. Say I owe $1,000 to the government, $300,000 to the bank, $20,000 to you, and $50 to the dog walker. Therefore, there is a total of $321,050 worth of registered debts on my home. That equates to just over 80% of its value. As such, 
the loan-to-value ratio for this property is 80%. You simply divide the value of the debts by the value of the property to get there. If I was to sell my house at market value, I could pay my creditors out and still keep 20% of the proceeds. You, the bank, the government, and the dog walker are all pretty well protected. But what would happen if the housing market collapsed? During the financial crisis of 2008, which we'll explore later on, the prices of millions of homes in the U.S. fell by 30%. If that happened again, the economics of your loan to me would change dramatically. The value of my house would now be $320,000. The first $301,000 would be secured in favor of the government and the bank. Only $19,000 of your money would be covered by the equity in the home. $1,000 of your loan, plus the entire invoice from the dog walker, would be completely exposed. If prices fell even further, your exposure would increase. As such, while mortgage rank is important, the loan-to-value ratio is crucial to understand. The higher the LTV, the greater the risk. Going forward, we're going to dive even deeper into the mortgage world. First, we're going to discuss how a mortgage loan can be an investment. Most people are used to borrowing money and giving a bank a mortgage. But we're going to look at the opposite side of the deal. We'll see how mortgage loans can be a powerful income-producing asset. After that, we'll look at an important event in recent history. This is something that I've referenced a lot in prior episodes. As you may know, another term for the Great Recession is the subprime mortgage crisis. Horrible lending practices by bankers triggered the worst financial crisis in almost 100 years, the effects of which still live on. We'll analyze what happened and what the implications are for today's mortgage investments. As well, we're going to look at some of the misconceptions about mortgage lending. For example, many people think that private mortgage issuers only lend to desperate borrowers who can't get money from a bank. But that's a false assumption. There is in fact a massive market of entrepreneurs and real estate investors who often prefer private money. Once we get past these concepts, we'll then explore actual mortgage investments like mortgage funds, syndicated mortgages, and even hard money lending. Until next Wednesday, you can visit my website, alexisasadi.net, and download my free book, The Foundations of Investing. Thanks for hanging out with me, and I'll talk to you in a few days.